VOCM presents Open Line. The opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the station. And now your host, Patty Daly. Well, good morning. Patty is not here this morning. It's Tim Powers. I'm with you for the next three hours, joined by Fonz King on this uh, historic National Day of Mourning. Good to be with you. I suspect many of you are... Uh, or are watching or have been watching the uh, the service from Westminster Abbey this morning. We will talk a lot about that right now. Uh, if you're driving, you don't have the ability to, to see the visuals. The, the Queen's Coffin, the Royal Procession, is marching from the historic Westminster Abbey Church uh, through the Wellington Arch to Windsor Castle, uh, through jam-packed streets of London, led by four riders from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. Uh, the solemnity on display is uh, is enormous, as is the precision at which this funeral has uh, taken place. Anybody who had the opportunity to watch it earlier this morning, watching it now, um, credit to the, uh, the, the organizers, the people of England, uh, done with their usual magnificence, uh, the British do dignity, do service, do the telling of one's life with uh, increased and excellent perfection. This is a tough subject for for many people, um, and I want to get into that today. Also, again, respecting that today is a day of mourning, and there will be lots of time, of course, to talk about the role of the monarchy, whether Charles, the new king, King Charles III, is, is suited for the role, how this uh, may turn out and transpire. Public opinion polls, of course, constantly show that Prince William is uh, more preferred than his father in this role, but that's not how royal succession uh, works. But let's just talk about Elizabeth. I'm sure Queen Elizabeth, the late Queen Elizabeth, I'm sure Patty has done this already, but let me offer a few words if I can. Certainly a person of dignity, a person of duty, and a person of determination. Well, yes, born into privilege, um, she never stopped serving the public. And I think that is why you have and, and retained a humility as all of the dramas of her family and all of the conflicts and churn of history that she was part of played out. She was steady. She was strong. She was straightforward, and I think that's why there has been such a display of admiration and respect for her. Watching those lines over the weekend of people going to have two seconds to bow their head and say thank you or pray in front of her coffin was just amazing. You had David Beckham, global celebrity, world-famous soccer player, former captain of England, lined up without fanfare for 14 hours. You had the Premier of Alberta, Jason Kenney, who was there, our own Prime Minister, who, like other dignitaries, and I'm, again, not making this political, had the opportunity to have a, 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 a moment with the Queen without going through the lineup process. And then you'd look and listen to all the people who were there from every walk of life. I would have taken my son had it not been for family commitments we had here, because this is such a moment of history. What our history going forward like looks like to be determined, what the relationship with the monarchy going forward looks like to be determined. But with this queen on the throne for 70 years, a time of reflection for all of us, because so many of our memories, I think, again, whether you're a monarchist or not, uh, 
Queen Elizabeth has been in your life one way or another. The visits to Newfoundland and Labrador, there have been uh, more than a few, of course, uh, the late 50s, 58, 59, 1977, 78, uh, 1997 for the 500th. That's the Queen. Uh, then, of course, Prince Charles was there in May. Uh, the royals have always had a strong attachment to Newfoundland and Labrador. And that visit in the 1950s, my mother uh, was invited to have supper with the Queen at Government House, and that became part of the family lore in our, our home. Uh, my mother was a member of the Imperial Order of the Daughter of the Empire and had a great love and, and still does. Got up early this morning for, for the Queen. I remember having all of the Jubilee magazines and everything else that came through our house, so very close to our family. Uh, I lived in London. I was there when Diana, just after Diana died, I was there at school. I lived there for a year, a very difficult year in the life. The Annus Horribilis, as uh, Queen, the late Queen described it, uh, when the Queen struggled early to find voice to memorialize Diana and eventually did. All of these things we can talk about today, your memories, where you want to go with it. If you want to discuss the relevancy of the monarchy going forward, there's a lot of money that's been spent over the last couple of days as, um, as, uh, as we look at this. Um, over 100 world leaders there, I believe. This is being broadcast to 200 countries. We live in tough fiscal times. Some of you may legitimately have concerns about the money being spent, or are we prepared to give all of this a pass. So much to talk about. And just for information purposes, and again, if you're, uh, you're driving, the, the, the casket bearing the Queen is marching through central London. Prince Harry, the King, Prince William, Princess Anne, Prince Edward, Prince Andrew, all there behind as they go through the city of London towards Windsor Castle, where she will be privately interned. Today in Newfoundland and Labrador, it is a holiday, a provincial holiday of sorts. While businesses are open, as you heard Jerry Lynn say, schools are closed, provincial government offices are closed. Um, that may impact people's plans because they now have to care for their children. What do you think about the holiday? Do you think it's important to have? There will be a service of um, mem of, of reflection at the Anglican Cathedral in St. John's at 2 p.m. today. I'm told that you should be there by 1.30 if you would like to get a seat. It's a large cathedral, but it's not that large. Um, if you want to get a feeling for and spend some time remembering the Queen in Newfoundland and Labrador, here in Ottawa, there will be a ceremony at the National Capital, at the um, Cathedral here in Ottawa. It will start, a march will start. Um, at the military barracks, not far from the National Cenotaph, there will be a flyover. Former Governor General Adrian Clarkson, former Prime Minister Brian Mulroney, all going to speak today. Um, your thoughts. Welcome them on all of this. That That is the Queen's funeral. The day of mourning, we will jump in and out of this as is, uh, as is appropriate and required on this very historic day. Um, as I said, this funeral being broadcast to over 200 nations. Clearly, this woman had an impact, whether you are a member of the Commonwealth or not. Love to hear your thoughts on all of that. All right, other things making the news. Of course, home invasions. I was staggered to see the story of the home invasions that happened last week. And then, of course, the pictures of the 
uh, of the the two perp- alleged perpetrators that were on display, showing no remorse certainly in those photos. In fact, uh, outright rudeness and disdain almost for the court process. Who would be surprised, I guess, if they are guilty of what they are accused of doing. We live in a time where we do have to be concerned about these things. Reports of violence seem to be more common in our province, particularly in our city. There's a multitude of reasons for that. How are you feeling if you're a resident of St. John's after seeing this? Are you feeling more concerned, less concerned? Do you feel we have the resources to deal with this? Are these matters being dealt with properly? Uh, Do you feel safe? Do you feel concerned? How are you feeling? Let us know if you want to talk about home invasions. Uh, More in the news, of course, today about uh, that. Brian uh, highlighted some of that a moment ago. The other big local story, and this is one that dates back to when I was sitting in here in July, the strike in Mount Pearl between QP and the city is over. Uh, It's been a number of months. I think July 7th or 8th it began. They reached a an agreement on the weekend and we're going to try and talk to uh, ken turner and dave akers the respective players in this ken of course the head of qp dave the mayor of mount pearl to get their perspective on this you'll remember if you're a mount pearl resident you won't have forgotten impacted likely your your ability to have your children participate in sport or some of the activities you had out there how have they found accord what does the accord involve we do know that uh, when I had talked to Ken Turner and Dave Akers, the issue was finding more quality uh, of status among employees. So whether you were a 30-year employee or a three-year employee, you could expect the same menu of, of service options and protections should your, uh, should your career be terminated, should there be some change in your employment situation. You want to talk about that? You're a resident of Mount Pearl. How do you feel about that? It got loud at the beginning, and then it got quiet. What happened? What transpired? We're going to try and get to the bottom of that. Also sticking municipally, interesting story on our VOCM website this morning. Uh, The city of St. John's is going to endorse or call upon the federal government and the provincial government. So it's a symbolic gesture, but an important gesture to move forward with providing some form of guaranteed income supplement to uh, citizens who need it. They argue that this is necessary in light of the staggering inflation that we're dealing with now, the, uh, the, the, the cost of living coming through that inflation and other challenges. That is, that is crippling so many people. We're going to try and talk to Sheila O'Leary or somebody from the city this morning to hear about all of this. What do you think? None of these things come without cost. Will they do what is necessary in terms of providing backup um, extra income for people who need it. Last week, of course, the federal liberals announced after months of not doing much and being criticized for that, uh, that they were going to double the GST. They were going to move more quickly on dental care. They were going to provide some other income supports for Canadians, very targeted to certain groups. Uh, there would be uh, there would be a, um, a no GST tax holiday or no carbon tax holiday, as some have argued and advocated for. But the doubling up of GST rebates for people who do receive them will happen for six months. What do you think about that? Is that enough? How are you feeling about inflation and the way it is impacting you? It's uh, it's a grinding story. We have a new Abacus poll out this morning. Speaking of inflation, uh, Pierre Polyev's numbers have inflated. He has gone from uh, the Conservative Party has gone from 
31, 32 uh, points a little while ago to having a five-point gap over the ruling liberals. Right now, you look at our abacus survey, which was done days after Polyev was elected. The liberals, uh, sorry, the conservatives sit at 35. The liberals sit at 30. The NDP are at 17, if I remember correctly. Uh, but at the same time for Polyev, he, uh, he's still largely unknown by nearly 40% of the public. And while his positives rose by 7%, so did his negatives. Parliament will return officially tomorrow after the National Day of Mourning and the federal holiday are done. All of the positive, generally positive, I should say, there have been a few skirmishes, but civility and spirit of cooperation and dignity that we've mostly seen there have been some moments where it's gone down among federal politicians as they uh, have participated in remembering the queen that's probably all going to evaporate in a day or two so you might want to talk about that and where we're headed interestingly in our abacus survey polyev uh, polyev's negative ratings in atlantic canada where the liberals have a significant lead and always have had a significant lead in our polls are quite uh, quite muted and low. They're not as high as they are in Quebec. In fact, Polyev's negatives in Newfoundland or in Atlantic Canada, including Newfoundland and Labrador, we didn't break it out among the provinces, are uh, as low or nearly as low as they are in Alberta. So, so much to look at there. All of that today and more. I just want to tell you too. It's uh, it's it's been just back to the Queen for a moment as they're going around the Wellington Arch. Now, if you've ever been in London, uh, you can't miss the Wellington Arch. It is a huge monument in the in the centre uh, of central London. Uh, fixed. There's a gold, magnificent gold structure fixed to the top of it. They're moving around it now as they move towards Windsor. Uh, Windsor Castle, where the Queen will be laid to rest. The precision of pace continues. The crowds remain enormous. And people just come to accept the new reality that we have a new king and a new future. And this person who's been a constant threat in our lives is now gone. But as we look at this, how have you felt about this mourning period? Has it been too long? Has it been enough? Has it done justice to the queen or has it been used as a tool to reinforce king charles in a manner that perhaps wasn't uh, appealing to many of you i know uh, there is not a unanimous support for the crowd in newfoundland and labrador despite the wonderful receptions the royal family has received so much to talk about so much to talk about today Remember, you want to get me you can get me on twitter at powers tim or you can get us on Email at openline at vocm.com. As the march continues, as the queen goes to her final resting place, we'll take a break here on VOCM's Open Line and come back with your calls after this. Join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line as we uh, take in the state funeral from the United Kingdom this morning as the Queen gets laid to rest. We're going to go to our callers in a moment. Just a fascinating visual there a moment ago of the Queen consort Camilla and 
the Princess of Wales, Catherine, as they ride together. And there's one of Meghan Markle, of course, she of much controversy, and, and Sophie Rees-Jones, uh, who is the wife of Prince Edward. No shortage of drama always plays out in these events because we're also dealing with humans and somebody who is very focused on humans and trying to get people to think positively is Jacqueline Cook. She's from the Positive Thinkers Club. Jacqueline's on line one. Good morning, Jacqueline. Oh, good morning. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your show. Um, Yes, uh, I'm speaking on behalf of the Positive Thinkers Club, which has been in existence for 33 years. It was co-founded by Dave Rudofsky and John mm -hmm. Snow. Um, sadly, John Snow passed away on September the 1st. And uh, we've been having uh, a few issues with our website, and uh, I'd like to get uh, this information out. Um, sure, go ahead. That the upcoming breakfast meeting uh, on Saturday the 24th, uh, which is being held at the Legion on Black Marsh Road at 10 o'clock, is going to be um, in honor of Jon Snow. And um, so we would like uh, to get as many um, people there to, to, to celebrate his life with us. And uh, the registration for the breakfast, the deadline is tomorrow. So um, I just wanted to uh, have this information uh, made available, and um, hopefully people can can register. We are on Facebook, mm -hmm. and uh, they can also go on the the, the uh, just Google for the information. Uh, and uh, Eventbrite um, is a way of uh, being able to register for that breakfast. So um, yes, <laughs> Jacqueline, tell me a little bit about Jon Snow as we're we're remembering someone else. Tell us a little bit about Jon Snow and what led to the creation of the Positive Thinkers Club. Well, um, it it was uh, an initiative. Um, uh, way back, 33 years ago, um, uh, John and uh, Dave attended um, uh, a meeting um, and uh, they brought back the idea. They were so uh, impressed by the meeting they attended. Mm -hmm. And of course, all this is on the website um, that they decided to, to start a Positive Thinkers Club here. And, uh, of course, over the years, we've had the most amazing and inspiring speakers. Um, we went through, of course, a difficult time with the pandemic where we couldn't meet in person. And then we, we had to um, uh, meet virtually via Zoom. And um, we, we had uh, people who did try and tune in, but uh, unfortunately, not everyone was comfortable with with technology. So, but recently we have managed to um, have a physical venue, and okay. as I said, we're we're meeting at uh, the Legion on Black Marsh Road. So uh, we're hoping to get our numbers up again. Uh, but John was an amazing man. He was so welcoming when you attended. Um, the, the meetings, he made a point of, of greeting you and always, uh, I think one of the, the he, he was musical, of course, and contributed mm -hmm. uh, wonderfully at our um, Christmas uh, celebrations. And, um, but I think uh, one of the things that, that really stands out is that uh, he always made a point of thanking you for the work that you were doing. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we we appreciate people and we think those things, but we don't... We don't say it. Exactly. And I think that 
um, that's something, a lesson I learned from him that I will always take with me to make sure that I tell people how much mm-hmm. I appreciate them. Well, I, 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 and I'm not pandering. I do appreciate you being with us today. So there's one last question I want to ask before I, I, I let you go, and, and thank you for calling today, and that is, do you think there's more of a need for what you're doing in terms of positive thinking club than there ever has been? And I, I, I give you that softball with my answer to it would be yes, given the environment in which we live, in which there's so much negativity, there's so much conflict, there's um, so much negativity that floats about. Tell us what you think about the mission of the Positive Thinkers Club now. Is it more important perhaps than it's been in a very long time? Uh, yes, I think more so than ever, because we're we're living in very, very difficult times um, on so many levels um, with what's going on in the world, with the changes that we're we're seeing uh, with the, the yes, the changing the changes in society, uh, the world in general, all the um, the challenges that are facing everybody, whether it's uh, the war in Ukraine, whether it's famine, whether it's the environment, and so on and so forth. And then in our own personal lives, the the, the pressures of society and mental health and all the struggles that we all have as individuals. So I do think that more than ever, we need to have um, inspiring presentations um, that lift us, um, affirmations that help us to think in, in a, a more positive way. Uh, I think we need all those things to to help, to mm-hmm. to support. And I think that the Positive Thinkers Club provides a wonderful service in that regard because uh, I always come away from the meetings feeling inspired and uplifted and hopeful. So, yes, I agree. Yeah, inspired, uplifted, and hopeful. Um, key things to strive for. Thank you, Jacqueline. And uh, we'll encourage people who are interested to check out the Facebook page and, and go, to the, uh, go to the meeting. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, take care. You have a nice day. All right, we've got Christy on line two. Christy, you want to talk about caring cards for seniors. Tell us about that. Hi, good morning. How are you this morning? I am good, thank you. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm very excited to share some information with you about the wonderful group that I'm part of. Sure, go ahead. Okay, so the reason for my call today is that I'd like to share some information with your listeners as to what this group is all about Mm -hmm. and how it got started. Um, last January, I was contacted by Mike Carroll, former, former co-worker of mine. He sent me an invite to this incredible group on Facebook. Um, basically, um, he was trying to visit a resident in one of the long-term care homes, uh, but due to COVID-19 restrictions during the pandemic, he was unable to do so. Um, he sent this resident a small gift, and this gift really lifted her spirits at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when he saw how much this meant to her, it gave him an idea to start this group. So he thought, what a great way to reach out to seniors to brighten someone's day by, by providing them with a handmade card and a little treat. 
So by creating homemade cards with an uplifting message and sending a little treat to go with it, we were able to reach out to seniors uh, during COVID-19, where restrictions were limited. And also, some of our seniors, uh, they have limited visitors, and some don't have visitors at all. So we're also able to reach out to them as well. And also, some do have visitors, but we just think what a great way to show seniors how much we value them and what a pivotal role they play in our community. So by sending them a birthday card with a nice uplifting message and a treat, we just acknowledge all of the great things that they've done. It's a wonderful idea. I, I, I've talked about it before uh, when I've sat in for Patty. I have seen seniors, particularly my aunt, I've mentioned her before, who's at a, at a care home here in Ottawa, decline over COVID because of that isolation, because of the lack of human contact. And the simple things you're talking about, Christy, just make such a difference because everybody, regardless of their mental or physical state, wants to know that somebody gives a damn and somebody's made an effort for them. Have So the take-up of this has been excellent, has it? Oh, excellent. Well, now fast-forwarding to September of this month, mm-hmm. we are now providing cards, 140 to 180 cards per month for our seniors and 19 uh, seniors care homes. And we now have 127 members in our group. So we're hoping now in the near future, with generosity from the community, um, that we can expand this group and, again, reach out to more seniors in our community. So what is, how, how can people lend their generosity? They can join, but what, are there other avenues they can contribute? Um, they can contribute in a whole variety of ways. I mean, some people say that they're not great at making cards. Um, it doesn't have to be an actual card. We've had donations um, in various ways. Uh, some people, some of our volunteers have actually done delivery of cards. We've had people donate uh, card supplies, which is huge because, yep. again, with so many cards per month, we go through a lot of supplies. So that's been a great big help for us as well. It's uh, Well, I've got a seven-year-old. I'll put him on the tra- on track for you. He loves making cards, and he loves making cards for his grandmother and his aunt. But uh, th- that's great. Glad to hear it. Uh, we're glad you called this morning, Christy. Keep up the good work. You are making a difference. That's a wonderful thing to hear today. Okay, so if I could just say one more thing. Sure, please uh, October do. October 1st is uh, National Seniors Day. Uh, so it's really fitting time to mm-hmm. acknowledge our seniors and all the great things that they've done. So, again, I'm hoping that the community can reach out to us. And, again, if they want to give donations, provide kind sporting words, share this message, share our group, that would be great. And for those who aren't on Facebook, um, there are other avenues that they can reach out and speak with us. Uh, Mike Carroll uh, has some contact information here for those who aren't on Facebook. Um, he has a contact number here. He can be reached at 280 280- Mm-hmm. 280 3024. Okay. And also through his email at MR Harrell, which is H E R R E L L. Okay. At gmail.com. 
at gmail.com. All right. Well, uh, we we have those. If you didn't get those, that phone number or that address, give uh, Fonz a call who's sitting in this morning. He will pass them on to you. Christy, again, thank you. Appreciate you sharing this information. I hope this continues to grow uh, because we have a seniors population that is growing, isolation and loneliness that is growing. You're making a dent in that. Good on you. Yes, and I'd just like to leave with my closing motto that I go by, make a curd, make a difference. (laughs) It's a great motto. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Uh, Bye. All right. That was uh, was Christy talking about uh, caring cards for seniors. What a wonderful idea. As we watch uh, a 96-year-old woman be laid to rest here in London, they're still going through the streets of London now, coming up near Westminster, uh, sorry, Windsor Castle. It is incredible to see 10, 12 people deep on either side of the uh, of the mall as they walk by. Yep, what a great way to start the show, talking about positivity public service, and connection. Time for a break here on VOCM. Back with more of your calls after this. The Workday Winds Down with Greg Smith in The Drive. Get up to speed on the day's events and current traffic, weather, and community updates each weekday afternoon on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. Of course, the uh, the funeral for the Queen continues. Well, the funeral service itself is over. The procession is now moving towards Windsor Castle. Many of you seem to be watching that. That's wonderful. Please call if you'd like to offer your reflections. We do have a caller now, though, who wants to talk about something else, and that's more than welcome. Uh, one to discuss the GST. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Tim Powers. How are you? All right, Bill. Uh, like I say, the only question I want to ask you now, have you got any confirmation when the, the, that GST is going to be sending out? Is it going to be in October? Uh, I, I, I'll check for you. Uh, it was announced last week. I believe the intention is with the next payment. I don't know if they need to... Um, they probably need to pass something in Parliament to do that, usually, unless there's a... So I'm getting we into the weeds to answer your question. Unless there's some uh, um, guidance in the legislation, the legal framework that they have now that allows an increase. So I don't know if uh, if uh, if that may delay it. But as I understood the announcement, and this seems like it was your understanding as well, it was to be for the next six months. So whenever the next uh, six-month check period begins it should take place have you heard something different or have you received any information no i'm just assuming that if it's not in october the fifth it will be probably january and then in april that's my assumption yeah i mean they did say to be fair uh the next for the next six months so i mean they could make it retroactive as they've done before but i think the intent i mean certainly the political intent is uh, to get it out sooner rather than later because it's of no benefit, obviously, if you can't get the benefit uh, sooner. Are you? Um, how are you feeling about that announcement? Did you view that as a positive thing? Yes, I did. Yeah. And will it make a difference in the way you your your standard of living? Your it'll give you a little bit more flexibility if you're a recipient. If I'm allowed to ask that, as mm-hmm. I just did anyway. Uh, I got no comment on that, Mister Powers. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate. Are you are you a sports person? Yes. 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 You happen to be watching the Dallas game last night. <laughs> uh, well, he did uh, well. That uh, rush, the number ten, filling in for uh, for uh, for the injured quarterback. Yes, he did, didn't he? 
Yeah, he, uh, I saw I saw the first half of that game. It was uh, was a pretty good game. I'm uh, I got to admit, see, I like Brady. I like winners, but uh, mm. in Dallas, I've never been a fan, even when Starbuck was there. What about you? Dallas was always my team. Yeah, well, Cooper Rush, uh, Cooper Rush is uh, is doing all right there uh, right now. They were very concerned about him, but uh, he looked like he knew what he was doing last night. He certainly, because he practiced with some of those practice squad guys. Remember that reception in the first half? Great pass. Yeah, yeah. I watch this. Fo- I, I don't. I don't miss me football. I'm a college man as well, too. I. Oh, who do you like in in college football? Oh yeah, I do. But the the, the, the killer was is that when the panel comes on, he had Dallas. Not even come close, you see. Eh? You know, well, the they pan, think the panel, come, the panel comes on talking about who's going to win, who's, who's going to lose. He had to Dallas to lose big, but well, I can tell you from being on many panels. Here's a pro tip: never pay attention to what we say on the paddle. Just, just do what you think. But uh, yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott's going to be out for a while. They still have Ezekiel Elliott. They still have C.D. Lamb. They still have the uh, the ability to surprise. And Lord knows they got a ton of resources there. Jerry Jones has never been shy about pumping money into his football team. Yeah, and Tom Brady lost his cool yesterday. He did, but he won in the end. I mean, I can see how you'd lose your cool at a certain point, but uh, that was a close game, too. That brawl probably wasn't necessary. But, hey, New Orleans and, and the Bucs, as you know, yeah. do not like each other. Yeah, well, one question about the GST uh, had to lead up to the football games last night. <laughs> That's all right. I'm happy to talk about football anytime. By the way, a little fun fact. My dad, uh, late father, who, of course, spent so much of his life in Newfoundland, uh, played for the uh, the old Ottawa Rough Riders. He was a running back uh, years and years ago and uh, played for UBC. So I, I, I never got into football because we didn't really have it at home, but we uh, we played rugby instead. So big football family here. Good to talk to you, you today. Know, you know, like you say, I'm a Toronto, I'm a Toronto organized man and I'm a Still waiting for the Leafs to win the cup, but I don't think it's a long way off. <laughs> uh, last, you, uh, last for the day. There you go. I appreciate it. You take care. Bye. There you go. How taxes turned into the NFL. Now we've go to line three and talk to Paul Drew. And Paul, you want to talk football too? I mean, health care is a bit like a Hail Mary these days. Oh, absolutely. It is a Hail Mary. I guarantee you that. And the ball has been dropped. It hasn't been caught. <laughs> Yeah, we can laugh about it, but it's not funny if you're uh, if you're trying to battle your way through it. What what's your take on it, Paul? Uh, the healthcare is in an absolute state of affairs. But I, I think what's going on, maybe it might be some something to do with privatization. So they're just gonna. The reason why I'm calling is, uh, you know, I I had to get a couple of stitches in my hand a few weeks mm-hmm. ago. There's only three stitches, nothing to it in the tongue in the tongue muscle. Yeah, uh, I, I was there eight hours. First, I went to St. Clair's. And that emergency room is absolutely is shameful for humanity for anyone even to go in that spot. I mean, whoever thought of that idea, they're all terrible. It's small. It's like a prison cell. It's close quarters. The place was was absolutely full. So I don't know if anyone's listening like a political leader that want to do something, but I doubt it. So anyway, let's move on. Window to health science. Well, no, just before you go, my mom was in there. I mentioned this a few weeks ago when I was filling in for Patty. My mom was in there in late August. She had to go in there, and uh, I was home um, after she got admitted. Now, thankfully, she went by ambulance, and 
you know, that gets you seen faster, whether that should or shouldn't be the case. But she was in the hall there. I agree with you. The infrastructure in St. Clair's anyway, I didn't see as the emergency room, but I saw the rest of the hospital is dilapidated. But I will say this, uh, credit to the people who treated her and looked after her. They're doing their best in terrible conditions. And you look at some of these hospitals and you wonder why people would want to stay in if they could stay in. They're just crumbling crumbling it's it's rotten anyway go ahead paul well said tim and the people that are working there it is terrible uh, conditions and they're doing absolutely fantastic you know for what what environment they're working in so anyway i took a shot over to health science yeah and i was there eight hours so i mean i was pushing about seven hours into it and all those you know you, you, you're kind of getting empty you're bleeding the place is still is still kind of it's full of people so my point is that a nurse passed by, and I asked her, I said, are you a nurse? She said, yes. I said, are you able to do stitches? She said, yes. So I showed her my hand. I said, ain't can't you stitch me up? She said, no. I said, how come? She said, I'm not allowed. Because the doctor's got to see you first, right, Paul? Yeah, so I was like, okay. So I said, maybe I kept asking nurses, and every single one of those nurses said they could do it, but they weren't allowed to do it. Now, at that point, there was four people there, including myself, that needed uh, maybe anywhere from three to ten stitches. Like one had a hand cut, one had one on her arm, one had one on her leg. And I'm there, man, we're waiting eight hours to see this one doctor. And he he stitched me up. he done a fantastic job. But he is so, he's so freaking busy. Yeah. Like, like, let these nurses step up and take care of that stuff and get people moving in and people moving out. I mean... Whatever decision, I'm just curious, why would you stop a nurse from doing a stitch? I mean, come on. Yeah, particularly one like that. Like, I've had nicks like that. That why Not that you're wasting the nurse's time, but you can, as you say, be more efficient. If you have a simple cut, I've got lots of cuts over the years playing sports, and, you you know, you wait for an hour, two hours, three hours in the old days. Now you probably wait for seven, eight, uh, when it could be done quickly. You could be out of their hair. They could move on to the next patient. Um, Yeah, there, there, there has to be a better way to do some of these things. It's uh, it's a fair question you raised, Paul. And then you look. I was uh, you know doing some research before today. Show the issues with double occupancy and peep. You know, that's a way to address at a small level occupancy challenges because you're not t- taking up the time of of others who can focus on a higher priority patient at that time because of whatever they're dealing with. Anyway, anything else you want to add, Paul? Before we go to break. Yes, sir. I want to throw on a positive note here about the fundraiser at, at Rugged Rock Harley for Willow. So I was part. I'm part of a, a group called NL Bike Night. Okay. And and these guys volunteered their time in short notice to fundraise money for a girl Willow who has a very serious condition, and they fundraised over eighteen thousand dollars. That's fantastic. Yep. And uh, and and a crowd in Bay Roberts. I got wind of it last night. A crowd from Bay Roberts fundraised eight to ten thousand dollars on their own as well. Uh, there was bouncy castles. There was a lot of bands. There's there's some motorcycles that you know. I'm a motorcycle enthusiast, and I've seen bikes all across Canada. And some of these bikes are the best bikes I have ever seen in my 30 years of riding. But uh, I mean, these new young people that are coming up, um, Mitchell Bryan, JP, Chantel, Cavell, mm-hmm. and and so many more. Justine, that Valentin TJ volunteered their time and helped out and. And all the people who showed up who donated, it, it's a, a mini miracle. I just want to let everyone know that 
the fundraiser for Willow at, at Harley Davidson was a major success. That's a great story to hear. I'm glad that's the case. I, I got to say this, Paul. You know, when Newfoundlanders are asked to open their wallets and their hearts, they never fail. We may fight about a lot of different things, but uh, generosity and, and kindness and giving is one thing where we mostly get it right all the time. Thanks for sharing that, Paul. Yep. Thanks for the time, Tim, and, uh, and continue on, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Uh, that was Paul Drukin uh, talking about health care and the fundraiser for Willow. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, uh, glad to have uh, Royal Canadian Legion Branch 1 President Colin Patey on the line. want to talk about um, his reflections of what we've seen over the last number of days as we reflect on the, uh, the Queen's life uh, and her commitment to the military in particular and commitment to the Legion. We'll be back with Colin Patey after this here on VOCM's Open Line. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show. Midnight on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line, of course, on this National Day of Mourning. I'm pleased to be joined now by Colin Patey, who's the president of Royal Canadian Legion Branch 1. Uh, how are you doing this morning, Colin? Not too bad yourself, sir. I'm okay. I got up early here, as I'm sure it sounds like you did, to take in this historically significant day and uh, not been disappointed by the reflection, the memories, the pageantry to reflect uh, the life of, of the Queen. What? Tell us about what's happening at the Legion today. Share how you all are commemorating her life on this National Day of Mourning. Well, actually, right now I have a color party waiting for me to get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be doing a ceremony here at our cenotaph uh, uh, on Black Marsh Road, um, and laying of a wreath and uh, placing of poppies um, in the, in the ceremony to uh, remember the Queen and out of respect for her. Uh, Seventy years on the throne is uh, no laughing matter, um, and she was a veteran too. So, uh, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, she was the one who gave us our royal ascension, the royal in front of the Canadian Legion. So uh, um, it's, it's very important to us. We have uh, quite a number of veterans here this morning with us to uh, to you know commemorate her seventy years on the throne. It's uh, you, you talk about her being a veteran. One of the things that I've really enjoyed, if you can enjoy moments of history like this, as sad as they are, but it's important to remember the entirety of her life and the stories of her being a driver in the Second World War and how she always continued to love to drive. I've seen, if it's been one, it's been 20 anecdotes of different world leaders or uh, or, uh, or governors generals and others who stare, share stories of her driving and how <laughs> what, what, what a fascinating and erratic driver she was, but it all came back to her her sense and call to duty. When it comes to her uh, her sense of duty, what is it your members take from that? Because I look at her and I think she is the symbol, the late queen, the symbol of what it means to do public service and answer that call to duty. How do your members view her? Well, uh, uh, just that, actually. She has uh, obviously dedicated her whole, whole life to uh, to service. I uh, think she's done a tremendous job. She's uh, she's kept countries together over the years, and, and just the way she carried herself was always uh, um, uh, a symbol of, uh, of respect for other people and this kind of thing, and she showed that respect uh, throughout the years. 
her driving, of course, uh, was uh, is famous. She's famous for driving down the road and, and not being a very good driver, but uh, and she was a queen, so <laughs> who's going to stop her? Uh, so, but she's she's uh, she's been a symbol of respect for us, uh, and she's been queen as long as uh, I've been alive. So. Yeah, me too. Um, is again for people who are watching and they might not understand the significance of all the various branches of the British military. There are a hundred Canadian um, uh, forces members over there from the various branches of our, our military. How important is it for veterans like yourselves and active service members? to see this recognition because she planned her own funeral and she certainly has put at the center of her own funeral the respect and admiration she has had for the military and for veterans. As you know, there are many uh, Victoria Cross winners. There aren't that many anymore, but the winners uh, of of various meritorious decorations that are there. So when you see all of this, uh, what does that tell you about her appreciation for the armed services and the people who've uh, given their their life and 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 limb to uh, to duty? She's she's obviously had great respect for for the military and and not only uh, British forces but uh, all the allies uh, allied forces. She's shown that through the years, through her her visits and and through her um, talking to various uh, veterans and this kind of thing along the way. Um, disappointed, no, where she was in the ATF, um, mm-hmm. and so was my mom, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't think they ever met, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I mean, uh, it it gives me even double the pleasure because uh, knowing that. My mom served in the same service as she did. It's incredible. So uh, um, it, it's just she she is a person just to be respected and admired uh, on a lot of different uh, fronts. You know, not just uh, for veterans because we're not a military organization. No, uh, we are a civilian organization, but um, we take her as the head of of our organization because uh, I mean it's just the respect that she. I don't know if demand would be the right word. She just, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> you know? well, well, before I let you go, I don't want the color party to mutiny on you. That probably wouldn't be good today. Yeah, no, they start beating me. It's not good. <laughs> no, no, we, we don't want to, to be distract, have you distracted or, or the funeral message distracted for today. But any stories, memories of um, from your members from the Queen when she was in Newfoundland and Labrador and or Prince Philip? Because, uh, again, she always had a, the, the, certainly the Princess Anne, if I remember correctly, is the honorary colonel of the Royal Newfoundland Regiment, yeah. correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but what of the royal family in Newfoundland connection to the Legion and the military? What can you tell us about that? Uh, personally, not. I, I can't say much. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of our veterans here who have met the Queen over the years. Um uh we have I have one veteran there who um remembers he was telling me this morning that uh, he was in Korea when she uh, got coronated and okay. uh, he was saying they um the day of her coronation they came around and gave them all a a, a tot of rum <laughs> not gin like the queen likes rum okay uh, it was i guess i'm probably dirty old black rum too right <laughs> but uh, so i mean that's how he remembers the day she was coronated he was serving in korea at the time so uh, and he's still quite active member here 
That's fantastic. And are you, um, are, is the Legion taking part in this uh, ceremony this afternoon at the Anglican Cathedral? Uh, not, not, well, some of our members will, yes. Okay. But not, not as, a, as a group, we won't be. Uh, you know, some of our members will go on to various ceremonies after we do our ceremony this morning. And some of our members, of course, have a, have a funeral to do this afternoon. Another veteran has died. So, uh, no, that's, that's always, always busy. Before I let you go, Colin, uh, I, I want to get your answer to this question. There's been a lot said about whether this is all necessary um, and some confusion around and frustration around whether we have a, a day of mourning or reflection, not unlike September 11th or the National Indigenous Re- Day of Reconciliation. Why is today important to have take place? Today is important because it's it's an end of a, a, a very long uh, era, Um and I think she's had an impact on all our lives, whether we admit it or not, um, and 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 all our governments in, within the Commonwealth. Um, so I think it's very important that we recognize 70 years of service. I mean, that, that's just tremendous. Uh, and she never wavered. So, I mean, she is a symbol of, uh, uh, of, of serving your, your country and, and giving up uh, pretty much her personal life to do so, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think it's it's important in those respects, right? No, uh, well answered. And as uh, uh, as uh, as we go to break here, they're now uh, have brought the Queen to the Wellington Arch. The procession has stopped, and there will be a further tribute to her here. I will let you go, Colin. Thank you for making the time for us today, and uh, and good luck with uh, with your ceremonies. Appreciate. Thank you very much. Okay. Time for a break here on VOCM Open Line. We're going to go to the news and then back with more of your calls, more of the National Day of Mourning, the state funeral and processions after this. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line on this uh, historic day. The Queen's coffin has now been loaded into a hearse for transportation, I believe, to Windsor Castle, where she will be interned uh, with her husband and her mother. Uh, Impressive to watch young Prince uh, George and Prince Charlotte as they take in the ceremonies of their grandmother, great-grandmother, I should say, being... uh, being laid to rest or taken to be laid to rest. Uh, again, the solemnity, the commitment, uh, all telling and all very moving on this day. If you want to talk about this or share your thoughts, please do. We'll continue to pay attention to this as we talk about other issues of, of the day, as uh, as the Queen herself would acknowledge. Life goes on. Now going to go to Mike. Mike, you want to talk about health care. What's uh, on your mind specifically? Well, Patty, uh, sorry, Tim. That's uh, all right. Listen, Patty's a good guy. If you ever got called Patty, that's not so bad. I've been called worse <laughs> than that, Mike. Uh, I sent some Patty some emails on the, the I got a tip request and got a copy of the Compass contact with Eastern Health and Central Health. Mm-hmm. And I can guarantee you one thing: it's an insult to the Queen as regards to free enterprise, what she stood for, democracy. And equality among everybody in the world. Mm-hmm. But this contract is blatantly giving people total control, one company, total control of our healthcare system. They're the only people there now that 
are buying and selling and signing off on invoices for their own companies. They, in relation uh, to what, Mike, and in what what, what particular are they buying and food, selling? Food, food and equipment. Food services. Food services, all the equipment, everything has got to deal with uh, purchasing and everything else behind the scenes. Now, here we are, short nurses and doctors and everything else, and they've got a couple of employees, 45 of them, in cahoots with the government workers. They're a partner. Well, they're trying to find a partnership, but they can't find a partnership, so it's their peers. Yeah, I so appreciate now, you. Just, just hang on for a sec, Mike. I appreciate you're not naming the company because if you did, as you know, that could present some challenges. But, but what proof do you have or do you feel you have that demonstrates, to use your word, that they're in cahoots? I got a copy of the contract, and okay. I read it. It's there, written down in front. matter of fact, I sent uh, Patty some of the things into it. Uh, the CEO that signed it, as far as I'm concerned, this, this is a blatant. Nobody else can sell anything to Eastern Health other than it goes to this company or their affiliates. And they got over 100 companies. They got an amendment to it in that they are paying one of their companies $170,000 for software that is going to cost us millions. It's software for developed on the stage for universities. Mm-hmm. students and that and stuff that they go on their phone or whatever, or some kind of a electronic device and order their meals. So it'd be ready for them when they went to the restaurants. So they're talking about using this for the people into the hospitals. But this $170,000 that they're going so to So just, just before you continue, I appreciate laying out the facts as you see them, but so how did this become of interest to you? How did this get on your radar, Mike? And I'm sorry if I'm asking something that Patty's already asked, but this is new to me, but I, and I need to know or need to get some sense of that. How did this all come to your attention? Why has it become so important for you to tell this story? I was a contractor over eight years ago. Now I retired, but I saw okay. the robbery and the theft of everything going on into Healthcare. I saw the development of this company and what was happening, and I kept following it up since I retired. So they made okay. a lot of changes. I complained about the other contract. Now I did uh, a lot of good with the open line show that I brought all the stuff out of uh, stuff that should never have been in there. I went to the Justice Department, and they told me that the contract uh, wasn't illegal, but it should never have been signed. Now they got a contract there that is still taking money out of our pockets big time and all for to make life easy for the executives into the Eastern Health, the CEO and all the rest of them. Mike, so, in circum- can I ask you a question just trying to get the facts here for myself? Now, I, I know in other jurisdictions when a public entity, and Eastern Health is a public entity, um, offers uh, tenders, con- tenders and awards contracts that uh, there is an appeal mechanism. Is there any appeal mechanism here, or can you bring it to any? You've tried, obviously, but tell tell us a little bit about the appeal process or the complaint process beyond what you're doing on open line. Uh, there is none. The really? thing is, this was done with a proposal for offers. But okay. Really, Request for a proposal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. RFP. Yep. This has been in the planning and the works for this company to take this over for the past. Started out about twenty years ago and ten years ago. 
this was done. Like, there's a lot of things going on into this contract. Like, uh, the compass, uh, the, uh, they they spent expenses gone in there that they spent uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to HST. Hmm. Why would they be paying HST, spending money on behalf of the government? What interest rates are they charging? The money is not there. Now, get this now. Let me finish up on this $170,000 yeah, yeah. that they're paying to their own company for development. So, okay, the government apparently don't have the money, so they're going to pay back to this company at an interest rate. The interest rate is not bad, 4 point something percent over so many years. And they're taking a little mortgage. The government is not allowed to uh, go to uh, a loan shark to borrow money. They're supposed to go to a licensed financial institution, which makes it all wrong. It never went to tender or nothing, which is all wrong, but the contract gives this company the right to buy stuff without going to tender. But then again, it says into the contract that they're supposed to buy by all laws, rules, and regulations of the province. But now the CPO of the chief procurement officer got nothing to do with them because they worked the laws and the rules with the central health now that they don't have to follow the rules. Everything now is under control of this foreign country taking millions of dollars in. They're so, not paying. They have offices in the, in the government buildings. Okay. They have all access to everything. They're not paying out like other companies. All right, Mike, hang on for a sec. So have you tried, have you tried, I mean, you're raising it here. So people in the government, as you see, they tend to listen to this program, though they're all off today, but I'm sure they'll, they'll hear about it anyway. But have you tried to bring this to the Minister of Health or the, uh, the Service Newfoundland, who I assume does some of the uh, contracting for the government? Have you done all of that? Yeah, uh, when Tom Osborne was in there before this, I went to Tom Osborne about him. Okay. He went to the, the CEO at the time, and the CEO came back of this company. He said it was an integral part of our, our uh, Eastern Health. We need them, and they're part of our long-range planning. So this thing of going out for a CPO and everything was basically a waste of time. It's only a cover-up that they rigged it so that this company was going to have the best offer for what they wanted. And they're there now. They're there now to stay. It's almost impossible now to get them out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's it's totally ridiculous. Our, it's hurting our agriculture. It's hurting, hurting our farming, suppliers of food. Uh, other people, they expect that now nobody else can sell to our health care system. But they expect those people to pay taxes and everything for to pay these other people. Okay. It's a, a totally unreasonable and unfair. It's All a right. communist attitude, completely different from what the Queen stood for. Free yep. enterprise, democracy, and all the rest of it. Now we're dealing with a communist attitude. Mike, you got about 10 seconds. Wrap it up there. You've, done, you've given a good exposition of this. Anything you want to add in the last 10 seconds, my friend? Well, my last time, the nurses' union and all these other unions better realize that, look, they're coming. And they're going to take over the nursing and everything else into it. They've done it in other countries and that, whatever. Okay. They're a big, enormous country company that got the population of all of Newfoundland. So they got 500,000 employees. We're paying premium dollar for a service that we don't need premium service. We got Newfoundlanders here who can do the job, but we're not allowed to do the job. 
All right, got to leave it there, Mike. Got to leave it there. Thank you. I appreciate you calling. I, I'm sure our news team will have a, a look into this. Um, this is the station where you can air stories like this one. Thank you for the call today. Thank you, sir. All right, that was Mike uh, telling us about uh, some contracting that he thinks has run afoul. You heard a story. Uh, what do you think? Anybody interested in having further discussion about that, adding to it, uh, adding some more proof to it? Uh, it's a, Look, the bigger argument that Mike's bringing out, one we, we all will want to pay attention to as we look to change the way we deliver medical services across the country, uh, how do we avoid stories like this if it, even, if it is even accurate? I'm not saying Mike isn't. How do we manage transparency so that something like this can be answered, understood, and communicated to the public? All important questions. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. When we come back, we'll talk to Charlie. Back right after this. Join Brian Medore weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. Tim Powers in for Patty for today on this National Day of Mourning, a provincial uh, holiday, federal holiday in the uh, in the sense that nobody's working today. Uh, in uh, in Newfoundland and Labrador, we are in the final stages here. As I look at the monitor of the Queen heading towards Windsor Castle, where she will be laid to rest in the committal service, as it is called. She's now um, being carried in a state hearst, uh, escorted by a number of police outriders and other vehicles as they move towards Windsor Castle. Uh, we've seen some shots inside Windsor Castle of the grounds, um, but that will be a, a very private moment for the family. And I suspect the the family in some part who will be very thankful for the enormous global public outpouring they've received from their mother will uh, likely enjoy Look forward to some quiet and restful time after all of this. They are, after all, burying their mother. And uh, as anybody who is buried a parent knows, it is, a, it, it is a very, very, very tough thing to do, regardless of whether your parent is the head of state or the head of your own particular family. We will keep watching this and keep updating you. But now I'm going to go uh, to Charlie, who's on, uh, on the line. Charlie, you want to talk about a couple of different things related to climate, I gather. What's going on with you today? Hey, I'd like to mention first, uh, I think I think the monarchy, I, I won't say much other than that Prince Charles has uh, been an environmentalist for mm -hmm. several decades. He gets what's happening, and uh, I hope that he promotes it, and his new uh, role, he'll be able to do it even better, you know? Although it was interesting on that front, and you're right, he's uh, been a, a long, also a long advocate in the environmental movement of conservation and uh, anybody who's watched the crown for as accurate or not as that is will have seen some of his uh, um, his proclamations and, and protestations around environmental policy but I, I found it fascinating though not surprising when he did give his first address to the world um, nearly 10 days ago he did speak about how he would have to temper some of his advocacy so how that will all work out uh, we, we shall wait to see Okay, we've spent a summer with, uh, I think the major uh, story was uh, we've got a, uh, one of the uh, largest countries in Southeast Asia, Pakistan. Pakistan and one-third inundated underwater. Now, that would be agricultural areas, river valleys mostly. The number of people displaced, I guess, would be in, 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 in the uh, close to a million or more. 
And those dying, I guess you're talking about thousands. Mm-hmm. We had Europe this summer that uh, was, was burning up along with their wildfires. And we recently had the UN Secretary General come out and say, look, these are five tipping points we've all been afraid of, and it looks like we may be passing them, which some of us, by the way, have been saying for, de- for over a decade now that we already have, the, the, the melting ice sheets as well as uh, the permafrost and that, but I won't get into these. And uh, looking back, uh, I've been following this thing since, since the late 80s, I uh, started to get involved mm-hmm. with it. I remember even George Bush, a Republican, even Richard Nixon uh, played. Senior or junior Bush? Which which Bush? Uh, George Bush. The the the. Uh, uh, I, I I never I get them mixed up in terms of their initials. H W uh, or George, W? The, the, the latest president, not not his father. G W. Okay, perfect. No, yeah. just because there've been two two Georges. Just wanted to get yeah, that right. I Go ahead, remember, Charlie. Uh, yes, yes. Okay, the latest one. Um, he even was concerned with it, with the Kyoto Conference and so on. He was convinced that we had to take action and so on. Suddenly, and I, I, I should, maybe I shouldn't say suddenly, but soon after that, there was a group that began to get concerned that, well, if the Republicans are getting into this, the Democrats are all for change, we got to do something about this. And this is where dark money comes in. There's good money and there's dark money. I don't know if you're familiar with Jane Mayer's book on this. Yeah, right, on the Cokes brothers? Yes, yes. On I've the Cokes brothers and so on, yes. Behind the scenes, they raised millions, probably billions of dollars, and went on a campaign of, of uh, talking about how much it was a hoax, that the science wasn't settled, that there were alarmists and so on. And within... A very short time, they convinced much of the American public that there was no real problem, and uh, as a result of that, they started to uh, to uh, cancel environmental re- uh, regulations that, that that were being proposed. Mm-hmm. They they made it stricter on 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 the, uh, how should I put it the the uh, regulations that were oh I mixed up here but. Uh, they made it harder to pass these things so we could do something about it. Yes. And they convinced l- large numbers of people, not only in the States but around the world, that it was a hoax. We had people here like Andy Wells and, and, and Rex Murphy and Conrad Blacks and all these people. They bought into that, and they sold that story in the newspapers and, 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 and wherever they could get access to. As a result, we haven't got the action that 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 was starting to snowball it was it was a, a, a cut off in midstream it was aborted and yeah it, it's just day. important to step back for a minute because i was thinking about it as we were talking you and i know who the coke brothers are they're and, and not yes. to be confused with coca-cola they are two separate different entities. yeah k-o-c-h they're large american industrialists who have long also been involved in Republican and right-wing politics. Their industrial pursuits are tend to be in heavy industry involving the extractive industries. Uh, they have financed many a uh, Republican leaders uh, campaign and, and the like. So just so people aren't confused when they hear that, and to be clear, I should have done this earlier, dark money, as Charlie's talking about it, is effectively described as uh, funding 
that is used through in the United States political action committees and uh, which are legal, but in uh, through other means to advertise, campaign, uh, provide their version, often an alternative version of uh, of, of of stories that are out there. So just and lo- qu- and lobbying, qualifying that and lobbying politicians and lobbying politicians as well. Is, yeah. as well. Uh, just just a couple of, of anecdotes that supports uh, how easy they they turn people around. When I was watching a focus group in New Hampshire, but he was asking them. It was a young group from they looked like from the youngest voter, eighteen or nineteen to to twenty eight or twenty nine. There was nine of them, and uh, the guy said, "How many will vote in the midterm elections?" And there wasn't a hand went up, but one said, "When is that?" <laughs> He uh, went to the next question. He said, do you think your congressman has been doing a good job? Blank stares. Mm-hmm. Do you know who your congressman is? Nobody Blank did. Stares. Yeah. So I've seen several focus groups. You remember when uh, uh, Buddy used to be doing Talking to Americans? Yep, uh, Rick Mercer. I've seen several groups. We we And, and Bill Maher said this on his program uh, uh, just this weekend. He said, basically, there's a lack of education, and certainly in this area. He said, what we teach is BS compared to, uh, uh, not that there's no value in what's being taught, but compared to where we stand, the existential threats that face us, it's baloney what, 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 what we're doing in institutions, schools as well as universities. So anyway... I got to give you about thirty seconds, Charlie, before a break. So uh, I'll let you wrap up there. Go ahead. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, it seems like we can be told over and over that something is threatening us, but we can somehow, as the winter cl- uh, uh, comes along, though, we can somehow forget these things that that are happening and go back to business as usual. You got Palavera, the uh, the new conservative leader. The first thing he would do is abolish the carbon tax, and somehow he would he would take other action, which I don't believe, because mm-hmm. he doesn't really believe this is uh, this is going on. He pays lip service to it, same as same as uh, Harper did, and uh, look at the support he's getting in Canada now. On that issue alone, he should be very suspect. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think we're 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 in a mess, and I think we've been propagandized to believe there's nothing really happening here. And the people like scientists, UN people, uh, activists, and so on, or being stifled, by the way, more and more, uh, they're losing the battle. So it's a war. uh, Tom said it was a war between us and nature. It's a war uh, uh, between people. And uh, nature and and people will eventually lose out. But anyway. Well, there's a massive war on knowledge, which you alluded to earlier, that's impacting all of this and the discussion and the discourse. And uh, always appreciate your perspective. Thank you, Charlie. Got to leave it there. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Okay. That was Charlie. Time for a break here on VOCM's Open Line. When we come back, we've got Sheila O'Leary on. She's going to talk about the uh, Tickle Swim. I think it was all virtual this year. And the Guaranteed Income Supplement uh, Petition activism that the city of St. John's is doing, encouraging the federal and provincial governments to adopt a guaranteed income. Back with Sheila O'Leary after the break. 
join us for On Target, one hour in which Linda Swain examines topics that mean the most to you. On Target, weekday afternoons at 1 on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line on this National Day of Mourning. Just looking at a, another interesting stat, which speaks to the uh, admiration for which the late Queen was uh, was held. In 500 presidents, prime ministers, and other dignitaries attended uh, that service at Westminster Abbey this morning as the uh, the Queen's casket still en route to uh, to Windsor Castle. Now, I'm going to talk about uh, somebody who's done a lot of public service herself or with somebody who's done a lot of public service herself. She may want to offer a thought on the Queen, but um, I want to take her, talk to her about a couple of other things, and that's Deputy Mayor Sheila O'Leary. Um, Sheila, of course, longtime um, public servant, community activist. Sheila, before we talk about the, the Tickle Swim and we, we talk about the uh, GIC, um, or GIS, I should say. What What are your thoughts on this day? I mean, certainly uh, many have said, and I ask you this as a as a well known female political leader, have been so mm-hmm. long time that that the Queen epitomized and opened the doors for so many women around the world with her leadership style, her strength, her commitment, and dignity. When you look at the Queen, when you look at her life, what what reflections do you have? Well, good morning, and thank you, Tim. There's a lot to certainly chew on here today, and uh, you know what? Certainly, women in leadership is something that I've been very passionate mm-hmm. about. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, my personal experience, but also in a mentorship role. Uh, obviously, the Queen uh, has been uh, an unbelievable leader uh, for, in particular, for women, as we mm-hmm. see the kind of reign that she's had for quite some time. Um, so I, I would certainly send out all kinds of respect and condolences, certainly to uh, to the to the family, uh, all of the community that certainly are um, are participating in the remembrance today. Um, it is it's important to note uh, she has spanned so many incredible mm-hmm. things over her her reign, um, and as a woman, I think it's extremely important to recognize that. Um, and of course, you know, it is a complex situation when you're talking about the monarchy in the day and age that mm-hmm. we are in in, in regards to uh, dealing with colonialist, um, yep. you know, colonialism, the, you know, moving to reconcile, you know, all of the, the things that are certainly have happened to, in particular to our indigenous communities and such. But today is a day to uh, honor and celebrate a woman who was an a, you know an incredible leader uh, during her her time um, in her reign, and uh, so I, I certainly I'm sure that it's going to be uh, you know quite an incredible event. Um, so yeah, I, I think that she she really had a lot to deal with as a woman, and um, uh, and I certainly would like to pay my respects certainly as well. I uh, I was enjoying the some of the old visuals of uh, her and the late Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. There there would have been two forces of nature, Sheila, to be a a fly on the wall uh, during some of their conversations about some of the commonality they had, and of course the difference they had uh, around apartheid would have been something. Now, um, just just want to move forward here, and and let's let's talk about the tickle swim first. You and I have talked about this before. I think it's great. I mean, you're you're uh, you're a brave woman. You've done it before gone from uh, portugal cove there across to the island this year it was virtual tell us i think it was all virtual was it tell us how the tickle swim is doing and how the uh, how the event uh, is continuing to to grow and evolve 
Thank you, Tim, for the opportunity to speak to it. Uh, this is something I'm very passionate about, and so is our, tickles, our, our mighty Tickle Swim Committee. Uh, <laughs> this is our uh, the Mun Insurance Tickle Swim for Mental Health 10th anniversary. 10? So wow. 10th anniversary. Now, of course, we had the pandemic in, in amongst that. So, of course, there were some challenges. And, you know, we did convert to a virtual for, for a couple of these seasons. But 10 years and the whole idea behind it was to pitch the, um, the relationship between uh, physical and mental health the kind of challenges that people put themselves through. I mean, obviously, this is a massive challenge to swim. Anybody's done open water swimming, Sheila? I've done a little bit of it here in Meech Lake, fittingly enough, and that's only a lake. I can't imagine how difficult it is where you jump in the water and try and swim across there. I mean, talk about that for a second, because I think it's interesting to people know it's no, it's not like swimming in a pool. It's not a walk in the park. There's no doubt about it. It uh, it is for very brave, courageous, and capable uh, mm-hmm. swimmers. Uh, quite obviously, um, uh, but at the same time, it is doable uh, for those who are physically uh, trained and able to do it. Uh, uh, you know, under the right circumstances, of course, the right weather conditions. Um, actually, interestingly enough, I, I remember hearing stories about individuals who, uh, residents of Bell Island and mm. in Portugal Cove, who are, have, have done it, you know, themselves with a boat and a dog and, oh my and goodness. Uh, swam across. I mean, it's not a regular event, granted, but uh, it has been known to happen. And uh, so my own personal desire I'm a, I love ocean swimming, uh, and I went and I pitched it in that first year in 2013 mm-hmm. to Canadian Mental Health Association because mental health is, a, is something very near and dear to my heart. And I thought it was an opportunity for a really interesting uh, new take on an event, an, an adventurous kind of event uh, that could benefit uh, mental health programming. And, uh, you know, I really didn't know what we were getting into in the beginning. But you know what? Oftentimes, that's, these are the seeds that, uh, that uh, so, uh, you know, incredible uh, a journey. And uh, so here we are 10 years later. Uh, we started with six swimmers the first year. Um, my my uh, my mistake was uh, outing uh, myself to uh, T. A. Lawler when I told her I said I had this <laughs> private desire to uh, swim a channel. As soon as I spoke the words, I knew I had to do it. So uh, <laughs> so that was it. So I'll blame her. Uh, but she's obviously a, phena- a phenomenal outdoor experiential you know mentor uh, about physical and mental health. So she was she was the right person to uh, certainly get the support from in the beginning. And CMHA, of course. We're we're happy to uh, be the beneficiary of um, of this event. So it's continued to grow every year, That's and um, and more and more swimmers. Uh, we have returning swimmers who are Uber open water swimmers who do these kind of swims all the time. But we also invite people who have trained and have made themselves uh, capable of of taking on this event. Now, um, you know, again, we uh, we've turn towards more corporate sponsorship because the swimmers uh, historically have been the ones to do the individual fundraising. Uh, but we're really pleased. You know, we have Mon, Mon Insurance as our title sponsor, Waterworks, Atlantic Lotto, and the Let's Talk, who've all been great supporters. Um, so the it's not over. 
this year, of course, it was slated to go Saturday morning. Uh, unfortunately, the uh, the currents and the weather conditions were not conducive to a safe swim, neither Saturday nor Sunday. So we uh, our alternate was to do a virtual swim, which means okay. that the swimmers will do it in another fashion. They'll either do it right. in a pool or they do it in a pond. And we already had a, a large group go out and do that. So they're fulfilling their um, their uh, responsibility to swim, and uh, and of course raise funds for Canadian Mental Health Association. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. That's fantastic. It's I, and it's, it's well, and you know what? Your your support. Well, thank you for the for the uh, for the website and your your point about people who put themselves in position to do it. So much of overcoming mental challenge and 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 feeling better is is overcoming something. And if part of that is overcoming and or and or creating the ability to do an open water swim, and that refreshes and energizes your mental health and wellness, that's fantastic. So good to hear. I I, I love the story of, of of what you're all doing with that event. Now, before I let you go, I got to get a comment because uh, you're featured in the story today. Guaranteed income supplement, long discussed. Uh, certainly something that's getting more discussion in Ottawa, the city. I gather. From from what I've read, uh, you're going to move forward with uh, a motion proclamation. You can tell me the precise language I should be using here, encouraging the federal government, the provincial government uh, to move forward on this because it is within their purview. What's what's brought this about now, Sheila, and what are you hoping to achieve? Well, you know what? Look, we're not reinventing a wheel here in, in regards to this resolution. Um, it's an, a resolution to call okay. on the government of Canada to implement a guaranteed livable basic income. Because, of course, we know better than anybody at the municipal level that people are really suffering right now. And it's to alleviate pressure on municipalities and the limited resources to fill gaps in a failing social safety network right now. And we, uh, we are seeing this right across the country. Um, we're not starting this conversation. The city of Halifax has already put forward and supported a motion. Victoria, many other municipalities and provinces are supporting it is one of the recommendations, a key recommendation of the Health Accord NL as well. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have been supported through the Religious Social Action Coalition of Newfoundland Labrador, which is a wonderful coalition of Jews, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, Sikhs. And um, so there's, uh, you know, uh, uh, and also as a part of our Healthy Living uh, City strategy. Yep. And it's, uh, it's all built in there. So it's not something that we can control as a municipality, but we are seeing the impact on municipalities. And um, there are ways many organizations are jumping into this discussion. Um, uh, Most Canadians support basic income, but don't want to pay, obviously, more taxes to fund it. And there's an incredible amount of information out there. Uh, UBI Works uh, certainly uh, talks about how we can make the basic income happen without costing, uh, you know, raising taxes to more Canadians. Um, And it would have little or no income uh, on most Canadians and lift 1.6 million families out of poverty. Um, Affordable housing, uh, the poverty that we are seeing, um, and of course the pandemic, which just, you know, emphasized all of the, the cracks and the holes that we've already were experiencing um, I think it's a, it's a show of support to continue right across the country and to be one of the voices that is there to say, uh, you know what, this is something very positive that could happen. Okay. 
Yeah. I'll leave it there. You've got a lot on your plate. It will be fascinating to see how this plays out because, as uh, as you well know, federal politics is going to get more contested uh, as it begins anew uh, tomorrow once we're uh, through the uh, National Day of Mourning. Sheila, thanks for your time today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Tim. And there's a lot of information out there about this topic, about guaranteed livable basic income. But you know what? You'll, it won't be. T- today will be just the start of the conversation here, for sure. Exactly. All right. Thanks, Sheila. Okay, take care. That was uh, Sheila O'Leary, Deputy Mayor of St. John's. Uh, We're going to take a break now. Back with more of your calls after this. The Workday winds down with Greg Smith in the drive. Get up to speed on the day's events and current traffic, weather, and community updates each weekday afternoon on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to uh, Open Line on this historic National Day of Mourning as the world uh, says goodbye to Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, She is getting closer. The procession is getting closer to uh, Windsor Castle and the chapel there. Fascinating shot a moment ago inside Windsor uh, Windsor Chapel or the chapel at Windsor Castle. They're they're sitting uh, among those waiting to say goodbye at this committal service is the Earl of Spencer. You will remember him. Many of you will anyway. He, of course, is the brother of uh, the late Lady Diana, who gave a very compelling, forceful, and uh, uh, critical eulogy on his sister's death about her particular treatment, Uh, but clearly recognizing the, the role the Queen has played in keeping parts of his family together, his nephews, and, and uh, working together in uh, to, together in unison with the country. Of course, there's a bit of a family split there now, but uh, fascinating to see some of the people attending this particular service. Well, there's a service today in St. John's at the Anglican Cathedral, and joining us to talk about it is uh, Hugh Donan. Uh, he is the church warden. I've known Hugh for a while. I used to be a server at the Anglican Cathedral many years ago. How are you today, Hugh? Great, Tim, and yourself. And of course, remember you and uh, and your mom and family and how involved you were uh, over the years. So it's nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you. Um, and the Anglican Cathedral, my bias aside, is uh, is a wonderful place to to have this service today. So give us some details of what we can expect, Hugh. Yeah, so the so the service uh, begins at uh, two p.m. Uh, and it is uh, it is billed as provincial service for the commemoration of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Um, and you know we're expecting a, a service of about an hour in length. Uh, there are about two hundred invited guests, uh, and you would imagine that's representatives of uh, government, of um, you know through government house, uh, other uh, members of other faiths, and so forth, who will be a part of the the group, and obviously representatives from military and other organizations. Uh, and outside of that, though, the, the service is indeed open to the public. Um, mm-hmm. Members of the public are invited to attend. Uh, space is limited, of course. Uh, you know, we can see around probably six or between six and 800 in the cathedral. So um, anybody who's interested in attending doors will open around 1230. Uh, and uh, we're asking everybody to be in their seats around uh, by around 1.30 p.m. Uh, obviously, after that, there'll be some um, official arrivals of a variety of people, including the premier, lieutenant governor, and so on. Um, but it should be uh, a really lovely uh, commemoration uh, of the life and service of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Obviously, um, you know, she has uh, connections, has visited our province mm-hmm. on occasion. Uh, but of course, uh, for the for the Church of England and the Anglican Church, um, you know, she is the head of the church. So it, it adds another 
uh, extra significance uh, for us in that regard. Uh, so we're certainly honoured to be uh, the location of the service and uh, we had a, a great team of people in over the weekend making sure the church was uh, in great shape and ready to uh, to receive everybody who wishes to come. So what might people expect who attend? I know here in Ottawa, Hugh, for example, that uh, former Prime Minister Mulroney, former Governor General Adrian Clarkson will be eulogizing uh the queen the canadian poet laureate will be uh will be here it's a it's a big recognition celebration if we can use that of her life a phrase that's often used now to describe when we say goodbye to people what what can we expect for those who are going to be at the service in st john's yeah, well, uh, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a service I think that is um, is able to be enjoyed by by all. It's going to be a uh, about like I said about an hour long. We have obviously the lieutenant governor and uh, uh, government who will be bringing bringing greetings and speaking. Okay. One thing that'll be uh, which is really nice, of course, is we've got uh, chaplains representing uh, the armed forces, uh, mm-hmm. which are which are so important to the royal family and and they've spent so many years uh, as patrons to these organizations and uh, you know attributing the colors and so many other things. Um, outside the church, we've got a, uh, an honor guard uh, from Gander uh, who, will be, who will be there with the colors. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, so many other representatives who will be inside. I didn't mention, of course, in, earlier, I meant to mention that um, the service is actually going to be live streamed uh, okay. through the Cathedral Facebook page, but also on uh, government's live stream. So anybody who's been watching live streams over the last couple of years, we've been doing uh, on a weekly basis from government, uh, will be able to watch the as well, so um, you know it's 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 going to be a service of of reflection uh, with hymns and prayers um, and and some great music. We've got uh, the cathedral choir who will be present, uh, along with Shallowy Youth Choir, who's going to mm-hmm. be singing. Uh, and it's it's sh- it's going to be a lovely uh, afternoon. And, and Peter and Shelley Neville are going to be Peter Halley and Shelley Neville, I should say, are going to be there as mm-hmm. well. So a real, as I said, a real celebration and uh, and commemoration of a person who was was very important in the life of the church and. And in all of our lives, somebody who's really, as as most people say, have been there. Certainly, all my life, she's been there. Yeah, so it's, well. uh, it's it's certainly uh, something that we're we're going to uh, a day we're going to remember for a long time. Remind me, Hugh, because uh, I have forgotten. But some members of the royal family have been to the Anglican Cathedral before, have they not? On their visit visits, various visits yeah, to the province? Yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, I, I, do, I do think so. I'm just trying to cast my mind back. That isn't something I had uh, sort of looked into. Um, uh, I do believe that um, uh, Edward, I think, came to the I cathedral. Think right. uh, and, you know, obviously, you know, I think over the years a, a number have. I can't, I, I can't recall off the top mm-hmm. of my head who has for sure. <laughs> And in in terms of the the role, and I'll let you go after this. The role of 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 the military. Uh, you've talked uh, talked about color parties. You've talked about others that will be there. Where will the Royal Newfoundland Regiment, which of course Princess Anne is the honorary colonel, to will they have a role as well today in other branches of the military for which the Queen had tremendous admiration and respect. Yes, indeed. Many branches of the military, uh, as well as other branches of service, including uh, RCMP, uh, other law enforcement agencies, will we'll all have a presence and a place, and a place of honor there today. Everybody wanting to, you know, wanting to just sort of pay their respects to uh, to have that opportunity to be part of part of something that brings brings a closure to uh, such a life of service for Queen Elizabeth II. And um, so, yeah. So I, I think it'll be it'll be really beautiful in that regard. And and 
a, and a real opportunity for people to to reflect uh, and uh, and to uh, to see that change now uh, from from Queen Elizabeth to uh, to King Charles. I changed my mind. I do have one more question for you. The music, how was that chosen? Because, again, the, the, the Queen, uh, so much came forward this weekend about her love of bagpipes and laments and so many hymns. You know, I can think of Guide Me Out of the Great Jehovah. How was the music chosen? What is the music for today? Well, there there will be a piper um, involved in the service. Uh, so uh, um, the, the, the the music was really put together through uh, collaboration between uh, between the church, obviously our, our, mm-hmm. our church choir and organist, but also um, you know uh, the um, government house had a and the provincial government had a great involvement in this as well. Um, you know, and you're, there's a, a real strong presence from government house today. We have many of the aides, aides de camp who are going to be present to assist in seating and mm-hmm. uh, and to be part of this as well. So. Um, so yeah, so it was it was it was collaborative, and I think that's what led to, you know, the fact that we do have uh, some choral music being sung. We do have uh, some hymns, but also we have a youth choir who who's going to be doing something uh, as well. So um, you know, people can certainly uh, tune in and, and can sort of listen along to to all of this uh, beginning at two p.m. this afternoon. I will leave it there. I appreciate it, uh, as I'm sure will be the case uh, with just about every service I've been to at the cathedral. It's done with the utmost uh, class and dignity, and today I'm sure will be no different. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Tim. All the best. Take care now. Okay, that was uh, Hugh Donan. He is the church warden at the Anglican Cathedral. As he said, the doors are going to open there at 1230. Uh, For people who would like to attend, there will be limited seating. As he noted, there are 200 invited guests already. Uh, But if you want to take in the service of uh, of remembrance, it will also be live streamed uh, through the government's website. Time for a break here. Time for more news at VOCM's Open Line. Back with more of your calls after this. Got plans for midnight? Bring your VOCM along with the best soundtrack for every night, anywhere. The VOCM All Night Show. Midnight on your VOCM. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. Last uh, hour of the show. If you want to call, please give us a ring. Of course, today, National Day of Mourning. We've spent a lot of time talking about the Queen and the impact she's had and people's reaction to her death and the service today. We've also talked a lot about health care and caring and engagement. All manner of subjects on today's Open Line. Now we're going to talk about, we talked about GST. Now we're going to talk about the home heating rebate. Don is on the line. Don, what's, uh, what's your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? How you doing today? I am uh, okay, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, that 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 that's a that's a good measuring stick, right? A day above that's ground, good. as we're talking about the queen going below ground, uh, is uh, is probably a good thing. Let the queen go wherever she got to go. <laughs> exactly. Now, uh, Don, meaning me, do you know anything about this? Now, this is the announcement last week you're talking about, right, where uh, the government, uh, the federal government, after hearing from the Atlantic premiers, said it was going to provide some form of rebate program. That's the one you're talking about? No. What I'm talking about is it was all oil and eating. Yeah. But in this, in this, and I would like for you to contact the premier and indigenous affairs minister because People in Canadian status get an electrical rebate. How come I can't get it? So you can't, you can't get what kind of rebate? An electrical heating rebate? 
Exactly. And uh, have you? That I talked to twenty people already. Indigenous, they got their Indian status. They're getting their rebates for electricity. Now, what's uh, well, going on there? Uh, I don't know, and let's let's use the word indigenous just to be uh, respectful and contemporary. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I just, I just want to make sure we use the right words. Um, I, I don't know what's going on there. There, uh, you, you'll have to give me a bit more information. I know last week, there, or the week for for the last number of weeks, the province, along with the other three Atlantic provinces, has been arguing and saying to Ottawa, look, the HST, or sorry, the carbon tax should not be applied to home heating oil. Then last week, the federal government said, uh, well, we don't agree entirely, but we do agree that there should be some form of financial supplement to help you through that. So that's not what you're talking about? No, what I'm saying is the indigenous community is already yes. getting electrical rebate. And I know that for a fact. So which which community in particular are you speaking of? Okay, I'm speaking of Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, no, I know, but we have different indigenous groups in Newfoundland and Labrador. Are you speaking okay, in, of the Labrador Innu? Are you speaking of... Uh, uh, I'm speaking of Kralapu Nation here in Stigma. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, I don't... And I know that. I talked to 20 people. Now, I'm just wondering okay. why they're covering this up. That's all. You know, no, it's a, it's a fair question. Uh, I, I don't know the answer. I will try and find that out for you. I know there are different, um, uh, under different funding arrangements that different indigenous groups have with the federal government. Certainly there are things like uh, taxes are, are not applied, uh, but I do not know the specific answer to this question. I don't know what they're getting or not getting. What more can you tell me about it? You've been told it's specifically for home heating? No, I know it's for a fact. I talked to 20 people with indigenous status here in the Bay St. George area. 20 people already got a rebate, $350 for the electrical. That's all I'm saying. And uh, who gave it? They got no reason to lie to me. No. Not, I'm not saying they're lying to you. I'm just trying to get more information so we can get you an answer to the question. So That's what I'm asking you to ask the, the, the Minister of Indigenous Affairs, how come Indigenous people are getting electrical rebate and I'm not? Uh, well, I didn't know that they were, but I will check into it for you. When did, and, and how did this rebate come? How are they telling you uh, it came? Well, first of all, I'm going to tell you firsthand. I went down to the Indigenous Band Council here in Stephenville, and I took my electrical bill with me, and but I told them I was an Indigenous. They said they don't know if they can help me or not. But I was there. And that you know was in Stephenville? Yes. I was down to the band thing you got here, the Kualapu Nation. But uh, and I know people in the Carlton Nation already got rebates, three hundred fifty, two hundred fifty dollars. Now this is what I'm wondering: Why don't you get somebody on from the government to answer that question? I'm happy to get somebody on from the government, but as you know, they're all off today. We've been trying to track oh, down. Sure, they're all off. Yeah, that's the best place for them. <laughs> <laughs> 
answer the question. Uh, well, no. I, I I will make sure that uh, that that. Question uh, I like that question to be answered, and I know people are getting it. That's the problem. Well, I I don't I don't doubt you. I'm just as we're talking, I'm looking up uh, to see if there's anything indigenous climate and environmental funding. No, I I will keep looking for it while uh, while we're talking. Anything else you wanna want to add? But that's really irritating you clearly. It is, and there's a second thing that's irritating me: tire recycling. It's supposed to be plant opening up in St. John's. Now the Auditor General knows every cent that the government spent. You know what they spend here, Steve, on a, a tire recycling plant? What? Millions. First, it started with the training. Then they paid half our wage. I know it's because I worked there for a year and a half. Uh, and then they had to clean up the mess. So how many millions now? This guy company going in St. John's from Nova Scotia. This is where we're supposed to sell the tires, though. But there was no oversight from the government on this. Not much left. And how long has that t- recycling place been there? It was there 16 months. It was called Enviro Tire in Steamwell. They hmm. trained us. I went to school. They paid for the training. Then they paid for our wages. Then they paid for... And the only time... And the Chinese was here, for God's sake. They were going to ship the crumb over to the Steamwell Lineboard Mill, was here then, and and do that. So I'd just like to know, before they set up another recycling plant here in the province, that they get it right. Well, that's a fair request you have there, and we'll keep on that. I'll tell you what, I'll keep digging while the show's on to see if I can find more about the rebate you're talking about. And certainly if anybody who is part of the Halibu Nation who has received the rebate wants to call and give us some details, they're more than welcome to do that. That is what this program is for. Uh, appreciate the call today, Don. Thank you. Okay, thank you. And the first time talking, anybody a good guy. <laughs> you, you, you did great. You did great. All right. Well, if anybody knows the answer to that question, give us a call. I can't easily find that, uh, and I wonder if it's part of another payment, but I'm not going to disagree with uh, Don. I don't know, and we will try and get the answer, and I'll make sure that Patty is aware of it so he can follow it up just before we go to break. And you may be wondering why... The journey to Windsor Castle is is taking a long time. Uh, it's not in the center of London. For any of you who have ever landed at Heathrow Airport, you often see it as you if you drive in from Heathrow Airport into the center of London. It takes a while, uh, but it does look like uh, the Queen's hearse is getting closer, and uh, that uh, she soon will be in Windsor Castle. It just seems everywhere she goes on this journey, even some of the big highways in Britain, the M series highways. Uh, as I see now, she makes a turn. People are paying attention. All right, we've got about 45 minutes. Um, I appreciate people are still watching the service and doing other things, but we've got lots of time for you on this morning's VOCM's open line, and we'll have that after this break. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. This is Open Line on VOCM. Well, I'm glad I updated my Googling game. I did find the program that uh, Don was just talking about. In fact, the Halapu First Nation does have a program. It is the Residential Home Heat and Energy Rebate Program. 
Don obviously doesn't explain why uh, others don't have that. But as I said, I think there is some form of rebate or supplemental payment coming from the federal government. And to be a successful applicant of this program, you must be a member of the Halapu First Nation, a valid band membership number, been a resident of Canada for at least 12 months prior to the date of application, and provide proof of service in the form of receipt or invoices uh, of a registered home heater energy provider and with service charges equaling $350. So, Don, you are right. Power to the VOCM callers. They are always on top of things. We can now move to asking others in the government what might be available to uh, to them, uh, to the broad public. But I do think if you uh, look at the details of the announcement last week, you will get some sense of something that could be there for you. All right, now I'm going to go to Paul, I believe, is on the line. Paul, how are you? Uh, good morning, Tim. Tim, morning. I want to talk about something that... Uh that's been an issue for years in this province, and it may sure. affect other provinces as well. Cameras in the courtroom. Mm. I'm just wondering why the courts allow cameras in the courtrooms when somebody has not been uh, found guilty of a crime. To me, that seems wrong, because they're, not only are they showing the people's faces, but they're giving out their names. And you know, over the years, we've had people charged with serious crimes, and yet they've been found not guilty. And that's like after the fact, because already their names are splattered out there, their faces are shown. And in the court of public opinion, people are going to, you know, they're going to be judge and jury, and they're going to, well, look, there's the guy. Didn't he murder his wife? And then he may have gotten off with it, and they may have never heard about that, and what actually happened at the end. But uh, it's been going on for years, and I just don't know why the courts allow that. And even uh, defense lawyers, when you think that, until somebody's uh, actually uh, found guilty in a court of law, they would not be allowed to show a picture or their face, or, or I'm sorry, or their names on the air? Except in this case, Paul, and I don't know when it started, but for as long as, as I can remember, um, and that's a reasonably long time, yeah. uh, that when, when somebody has been charged with something, uh, their names are made public. In rare circumstances, they're not. As you know, we had uh, the story in Newfoundland over the summer of a lawyer who had been charged with something who was trying to get his name protected, and eventually that protection was removed. So I'm assuming here that part of the acceptance of court cameras in the court is because it's already a matter of public record that by showing justice, as they would argue, happening in the court uh, through all its imperfections and humanity, that, uh, th that that is a form of transparency. I know there are, there are cases, and I'm sure you've heard of them, where people can apply for publication bans, um, and th that, that's a process whereby, as just indicated, or as the name would suggest, things aren't shown to the public. Names are, are held back, and there's a certain set of criteria around all of that. But now, I, is everybody that's charged going to be in, informed about that? Probably I've, I've, Well, the one thing I'm proud to say, Paul, and I'll make a bit of a joke, I haven't been charged with anything, so I, <laughs> I don't know if you have, buddy. No, so, I haven't. No, no, no. But so I, I, I don't... Me, it just doesn't make sense, Tim. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but you take last week, Tim, we had that serious crime here in the, in the city where it was... Yeah, the home invasions, yeah. Yeah, they apprehended them two young fellas, so all of a sudden they're there on the news, their pictures are shown. Yes, so one of them got a, a long rap sheet, uh, but they say their names, they show their pictures, and what happens down the road, they get, they get off with it, and they're found not guilty. 
all of a sudden people, you know, you know, you know, you know where I'm coming from, right? Well, no, I'll give you a classic example of this, and I, I, I've said this to him when I've spoken to him on the phone. Remember years ago, and he's since been um, exonerated. He's been properly recognized and compensated. But when Gregory Parsons, yeah, I, I was going to oh, mention his name, Tim. Well, was charged with uh, the murder of his mother, and yep. that's what twenty twenty five years ago. And and Gregory, I've spoken to him before. I know how tough all that was on him. I remember sitting on a plane with with Gregory. I don't, uh, and he was en route to I think Supreme Court here in Ottawa and I was coming back to work in Ottawa and I remember, yeah, you have strange thoughts go through your head, right? I agree with you on that, Paul, <laughs> yeah, that you're right, you know. You know, you're you are a human being after all and while there is the presumption of innocence unto guilt, I I hear what you're saying when you hear a case presented, and you hear a crown in the case of Gregory go after him with um, with great force. That uh, you're going to look at that person and think, "Well, my did he or didn't he do it?" You know, you're not debating the intricacies of his innocence, uh, but you're you're assuming certain things which which aren't right. But again, I think I go back to the fact that that's the imperfection of the justice system. I mean, thanks be to God, we don't have the, um, you know, the kind of Judge Judy world here. You, anybody can watch the Supreme Court. I can tell you what, if you want to watch the Supreme Court, Paul, uh, and you're not sleeping, the Supreme Court is a great drug to help you go to sleep. Just just turn it on. So I I, I, I hear you, but I think the, the, the merit of somebody having their process shown in the open ensures the court would probably argue that there is transparency and fairness despite the ugliness of it all and then afterwards and in gregory's a case like that david milgard others wrongly convicted or wrongly charged well mostly wrongly convicted not necessarily wrongly charged uh, are able to get compensation from from the government as a consequence of the journey they went on so does that mean to say every time they show somebody's face and give their name before they're charged, they have it, and if they're found not guilty, they can sue because of that. Uh, well, you can always sue somebody for anything uh, that you want. Wouldn't sue. that be slander then? No. No, I. I mean, again, I think the not a lawyer. You're not a lawyer, as far as I know. I think the the argument is it's in the public's interest, uh, and because I know, and but but because you're making people aware of something that allegedly happened uh, that you're doing a service to them. You may not be doing a service to the accused person. But uh, go back to those people. Uh, The home invasion uh, comment's a good one. I saw that picture of that young fella uh, that we had on our VOCM website, and he's given the finger to the camera. Well, that didn't help me think that in any way, shape, or form he was innocent. No, I know. I got you there. So what would you like to see happen? Where, where, sorry, you go ahead, Paul. What about now somebody, uh, you can understand, like, say, if the bank robbery occurs and they happen to have film of the person who committed the act on the spot, I can understand getting that out on the media right away. Look, there's the person who robbed the bank. There's the proof. He's in the bank. That, to me, makes sense. You know, that's, well, you, know, if, you know, something like that. Like, if you got the... Well, and they did the, that, yeah, and that person's not even charged yet, right? So that happened here in Ontario last week with that terrible shooting of the police officer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they had a, a video image of the suspect. Remember, the fellow went into Tim Horton, shot this police officer yeah, in the head, then went to his a, place of employment, and they, yeah. they circulated that image. So it's a tricky one. Uh, I... I don't know the case history here, but I'm sure there have been arguments made uh, about whether uh, whether K- 
cameras are necessitated or not. I know we took some time in Newfoundland and Labrador before allowing some cameras in the courtroom. You'll remember for years whenever these stories were told on our evening news, they were sketches uh, of, 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 the perp- of the alleged perpetrators. Okay. And yeah, it's it, it's it's a tough one. What because I, I don't think there, are, and I think a lot of it comes down to the legal counsel you receive. So if you, you because the first thing you are granted, and you hear that we've all seen and heard it on television programs, you're you know you have a right to somebody to represent you. Yeah, well, one you're assumes a lawyer trying to defend that person that wouldn't go down too good. As if I were a defense lawyer defending somebody who's been shown and their name given up. Before they're charged, to me, that wouldn't seem right as a defense lawyer, you know? Yeah, and then you can push I, I, again. I, I will dig into this a little bit because it's a, it's a fascinating uh, question that you ask because it's become such the norm now to have the video and or still images of a person who has been charged uh, with a crime. Uh, and often, when the, if, if and when they are exonerated, you don't have all of that stays out there as a web history, right? It so does, these these yeah. fellows charged with a home invasion, if somehow they're found not guilty, that picture is there for life. It is. So if you're a potential employer of this fellow, uh, you can Google his name, and uh, won't be too hard to find. So again, it's people brighter than you it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I I understand what you're saying. You explained yourself good. But I, to me, it just yeah. – what's the big deal, Tim, putting up no cameras allowed in the courtroom? Seriously, right? <laughs> yeah, again, I, I, we people brighter than me, and there's a whole line of them, Paul, will be able to explain that. I've tried my best. Anyway, anything you want to add before we take uh, take a break here? Nope, you done? All right, that was Paul. That was a good debate about cameras in the courtroom. If you uh, have some insight or information you want to share on that, please do. We're going to go for a break here on VOCM. We've got our 1130 news, and back with more of your calls after that. Join Brian Medor weekdays at noon for a comprehensive update on news from every corner on all levels. Newsmakers, weather, and more. Join us on your VOCM at noon. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. Last uh, 25 minutes of our program. Just an update for you. Again, if you're uh, not near a television screen and listening to us, which we're glad you're doing, the Queen has finally arrived. Uh, Queen's Casket has finally arrived at Windsor Castle. Again, the crowds are enormous. She is uh, preparing to move forward into the castle for the uh, this commemorative service, committal service, sorry, as it's been described, and we'll keep an eye on that. Just an update here for you. Uh, you heard we had Hugh Donan on earlier, who is the church warden at the Anglican Cathedral where the Newfoundland and Labrador service is being held, the provincial service, as Hugh described it. I just want to share a, an advisory we received from Government House. I'll just uh, read you bits of it. It says, A commemorative service celebrating the life of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II will be held today, Monday, September 19th. The ceremony will begin at 2 p.m. at the Anglican Cathedral of St. John the Baptist, and the address for people who may not be aware is 16 Churchill in St. John's. The, the release goes on to say, following the commemorative ceremony, there will be a 21-gun salute on the grounds of the Queen's Battery. Members of the public are invited to attend the ceremony, but space is limited, and seating will be done on a first-come, first-served basis. Invited guests and members of the public are asked to enter the Gower Street entrance and are required to be seated by 1.30 p.m., 
as parking is very limited, invited guests and members of the public are strongly encouraged to use public transport or to be dropped off for the service. Um, as Hugh mentioned, for those unable to attend in person, the service will be streamed live on Facebook and YouTube. Final note from this um, statement from the Lieutenant Governor's Office, books of condolences are available for the public to sign in the lobby of the East Block Confederation Building and Government House. The books will be available um, today only uh, from 9 a.m. Well, we'll pass that till 5 p.m. So you have uh, 9 to 5 at Confederation Building, or 12 to 5 as we're now there, and 12 to 9 at Government House. You can also, and we'll uh, tweet this statement from from the uh, Lieutenant Governor's Office, you can sign condolences online. So there is some more information for you as we continue to work through this National Day of Mourning. What a long, long day for the family who have... uh, who are very used to sharing their life with the public. Uh, this journey started for them today at uh, at uh, 5 a.m. Eastern Time. We are now coming up on uh, 10.30 Eastern Time, 10 o'clock Eastern Time, 11.30 in Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, of course, it's been a long 10-day period, uh, but one that has uh, evoked all manner of reaction from the global public, but thankfully mostly one of respect and remembering. We will keep watching that. I want to pick up on something that Sheila O'Leary said uh, earlier about the mixed history of colonialism in Canada. That certainly hasn't got uh, the the exposition perhaps you might expect, but uh, people have been focused now on paying their respects to the Queen, but it is not too much longer from now, September 30th, that we'll be having a a National Indigenous Day of Mourning. And uh, that, of course, is a a new federal holiday, Day of Remembrance as well. It came forward last year. The Prime Minister, of course, got himself in some hot water because he wasn't present when that happened. But it is a day to look at that colonial history from the other side uh, and to understand more about the Indigenous experience. You remember when the Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, brought forward its report. That was one of the recommendations from the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, that there be a National Day of, of, of Reflection, a National Indigenous Day, which will take place next week. We have tried this morning to try and get some Indigenous perspective. Uh, Unfortunately, people don't seem to be available today, which is understandable. They are mourning and reflecting. We do know that in the federal delegation, uh, federal Canadian delegation that went to London, the chief of the Assembly of First Nations there was there. The head of the uh, Métis National Council was there, and the head of the, um, the Inuit peoples was also present. Uh, paying their uh, their respects and being part and parcel of this. That was clearly um, important for them to be there, clearly important for the government to recognize that part of our history. You will know when King Charles III now was in Canada earlier this year in Newfoundland and Labrador, in fact, with Camilla, now the Queen's escort, that there was uh, a lot asked of him about whether or not the the crown, in this case him, now him, uh, would apologize for past behavior towards 
the indigenous peoples of uh, of Canada. That question was not answered. Does that pressure continue? Does it mount anew as we uh, we and he begin a new reign, a new step forward? I don't think it necessarily does. But it is something I suspect we will hear more about. But that is not for today. That is for the days ahead. A very, very somber final march now as we look at the screen as they head towards the grounds of uh, of Windsor Castle. All of the various military branches represented, of course, here. Um, the legendary beef eaters provide a guard side by side as the hearse moves forward. Or sorry, the beef eaters are ahead. The uh, uh, the, uh, the the famous um, royal guard that you see at Buckingham Palace is there, mounted knights behind, if I may describe them that way, all moving towards Windsor Castle in the final moments of this vigil and service for Queen Elizabeth. It has been quite a day, uh, quite a moment. Uh, as you look inside the hearse, you see the royal standard, you see the uh, famous crown, you see other uh, commemorative, symbolic, and real pieces of British paraphernalia and royal stewardship. And marching next to that hearse, of course, are members uh, very close to the hearse of the various branches of the military that the Queen uh, held so dearly to and respected. You can see the Royal Air Force, the Royal Navy, the British Army, the Royal Marines, all part and parcel of this last procession for the Queen till she goes to her place of rest. We're going to take a short break here now and come back with the last 15 minutes of the program right after this break. Weekday mornings from 5.30 to 9. Jumpstart your day with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy. Newsmakers, traffic, weather, and more during your VOCM Morning Show. This is Open Line on VOCM. Welcome back to Open Line. Final few minutes uh, of the program. Obviously a significant historical day. Many of you are, are tuned into that. It's been reflected in the uh, the calls we've uh, we've had today. <laughs> As uh, as the Queen draws closer to the doors of uh, St. George's Chapel at Windsor Castle, where the final service uh, of commemoration, a committal, will take place. Uh, on the screen now you can see former Prime Minister Tony Blair and his wife Cherie um, heading into the service. As I said, the Earl of Spencer, Princess Diana's brother, is in there, and, and so many other faces uh, that you have uh, seen and, and will know are familiar familiar to you. There is a um, group of clergy standing on the steps. Uh, awaiting the arrival of her coffin to take her in. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that in the last few minutes that uh, that we have today. And if there are any last calls anybody wants to offer their perspective, uh, please do. It's uh, it, it has been an overwhelming day in, in many regards, uh, and certainly lots more discussion will come forward about the future of the monarchy as we live now with a new king king charles iii who's been on the throne for uh, 10 days or more let me let me talk about a couple of other things quickly just before we uh, we go if uh, if there are no other calls and let me mention somebody else who uh, passed away this weekend uh, sadly after a, a long life uh, the last few years uh, a struggle for her but uh, sonia ryan 
uh, one of the uh, the, the longtime leaders at uh, Ch- the Chester Daw, daughter of Chester Daw, sister of uh, Janet Gardner, she and Janet Gardner for years after the death of their father, Chester Daw ran Dawes. Um, I've known her and her family for a very long time. Um, a woman of grace and dignity herself, uh, a fierce and strong mother. Uh, to her sons Andrew and Matthew as they grieve in a very human sense the loss of their mother. Uh, we're thinking of you, you know, Sonia Ryan, Janet Gardner, uh, women of that era who became leaders in business and community when that wasn't always a fashionable thing to do, when there were few women in those roles, Shani Duff, another one who comes to mind, my own mother, Debbie, uh, stepping forward um, and having the great regard of, of community for them, while at the same time never losing focus on their family and for Sonia's family, for Mrs. Ryan's family, as they go through their own memorialization of their uh, mom, thinking uh, thinking of them, what a great legacy she has left uh, and that uh, that is something we will recall. Now we have on the line Elizabeth O'Reilly. Elizabeth, are you there? Yes. And how are you today? Pretty good. What's on your uh, mind? Uh, I'd like to send out my condolences to the royal and mm-hmm. um, to a beautiful lady, our queen, and uh, wish all wish, um, good uh, Have you been watching the service yes, and the procession? Yeah, and, and, yeah, so now. And and what has it meant to you to to, oh, my, to see all of this? Heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Knowing that she's gone. Mm-hmm. What is the? It's. Can I ask you this, Elizabeth? Because I, you, when I hear you speak, I've I've heard people say the same thing. Though she was somebody who wasn't part of our daily lives. She was part of our life for so long. And there seems to be this truly impressive connection she built with people, uh, regardless of whether they ever met her, ever shook her hand, ever gave her a bouquet of flowers. What what was it for you that you saw in the Queen that connected you to the Queen? What it was, like I said, we... We've known our queen so long. We grew up knowing her and her husband, and it's just a it's a loss. Mm-hmm. And you and your your heart is broken. Yeah, a lot. You know, a lot. She's gone. And, and uh, well, what what memories do you have her? What 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 stands out for you the most about the queen? That she was just. Well, there'll never be another queen. Mm-hmm. And it's just like known that she's gone. And her family, like I said, they're all mm-hmm. lost her dad last year. Now their mom now yeah. is heartbreaking. Yeah, they're a family, right? That that oh, is yeah. true, and we've we've seen all the warts of their family. The world has seen all the warts of their family, but they've still lost somebody who has been the head of the family, the matriarch, not yeah. just of the Commonwealth. Um, I, I really do hope that the the family does get some quiet time, although it's hard to do in their duties after today, to 
to just take in what they've seen because I, I don't know about you, Elizabeth, but for me, and she's been the only queen I've ever had, it's amazing, yes, the outpouring. The, uh, it's so wonderful to see. She's just a person, like I said, that everybody knew and seen her so often and such a strong woman to, you know, to do what her duties such as afternoon and now she's gone. Yeah. The other thing, you know, that I was talking to my mom about this, there was, though she was the queen and everything that she did was preordained for her, her commitment to what she did and her humility. She was not a global celebrity who was always looking to showcase all that was wonderful about her. She just seemed to want to do her job. Do you think that's a fair description? Yes. Okay. Well, I'll let you get... You know, is is a loss, right? Mm-hmm. Knowing our queen is gone. Yeah. But uh, I I have a lot of books of uh, the royalty, mm-hmm. right? And like, I just can't really believe that she's gone. Yeah. Well. I appreciate you calling and sharing. I know it's a tough day for a lot of people. Thank you uh, for your call, and uh, I'll let you get back and, and watch the, the final parts of the service today as more leaders, I, Prime Minister Trust, the new British Prime Minister, is going into St. George's Chapel. Now I'll let you go, Elizabeth. Thank you for making the time. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Take, all right, take care. Just before we go, we have uh, an important issue. Quickly talk uh, to Tim Shepard. Ki- uh, Tim, you want to talk about... No, kids not wearing helmets on bikes. Ew, that's yeah. a bad one. Hello. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm I here. I want to speak about kids not wearing helmets on bikes. Go ahead, sir. Because uh, uh, sometimes there's kids that on my street, they, they're on the road and they don't wear helmets. I don't think that's very safe. It's not. And have, do, you, do you stop and talk to them when that happens and say you should be wearing uh, no. your helmet or... Uh, some people, some people call, some people call social services about it. Really? Yeah. And, and, and nobody went old fashioned and talked to the kids' guardians or parents. I guess they could. <laughs> I guess uh, they. Yeah. Where? Where? What part of where? Where in the, uh, in the city is? Crescent. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a wise thing. Uh, I mean, look, you, even if you're going down the store uh, yeah. you know, a few hundred meters away you never know what can happen you, you know all the stats yeah. about car accidents people say they yeah. always happen closest to home yeah what would you would what would you like to see done would you like to see mandatory fines brought forward what's what's your thought as to what's uh, necessary I think someone check to check it out for their, for the kids safety yeah Okay. Well, I appreciate your call, and I'm sure this will come up. It's a, it's, it's still a very important topic. Kids are still riding their bikes. The snow yeah. hasn't fallen yet. They're going to be yeah. riding them as long as that happens and yeah. well after. Yeah. All right, Tim, thank you for your call. All right, all right thanks. Bye. We're near the end here, but let me just recap for you on this day of mourning, uh, and I encourage you to continue to tune in. VLCM will be monitoring it and providing updates, but the long deliberately slow procession is is heading to St. George's Chapel. They just showed a wonderful image of um, the Queen's coffin, and on top of the crown, 
that is on top of the coffin. Many have probably seen the, the image of it as well. There's a handwritten note from Charles. And I can't quite read what it says, but I'm sure we will will learn after the fact. Because as I have discovered, um, all of her children were very close to her. And uh, though they have lived this public life, they are, are grieving a parent today. And tomorrow for me is the ninth anniversary of my father's death. And I still think about him every day. I can, can only imagine but we are about to turn a page in history. Tomorrow the Queen will be, well, today she will be laid to rest. And tomorrow, with a plum, I suspect the reign of, of King Charles begins because we will have had time to think and reflect on the Queen and will begin to think more about the new King, who, of course, was just in Newfoundland and Labrador in the spring with his wife, the uh, the Queen's consort. I, I encourage you, if you have a moment, keep VOCM on, but... Just turn on your TV or flip on your computer screen. The number of people that are watching, even now in Windsor, which is a smaller community outside of London, as she goes by, spending hours, no doubt, uh, to line up there. It, it is truly incredible. We live in a very conflicted and difficult time. It says something about this person, this woman of, of, of dignity, of service, of determination, that... So many people took time today to be there. Perhaps it's a message to, to many that service, humility, duty are still important things. As she leaves us and departs us and goes to rest with her husband uh, and her mother, take time today, even if you're not a royalist, to find meaning in this and uh, and what it what it could say to all of us about what we aspire for in the future. 70 years, the only queen I've known, the only queen many people have known, uh, lays to rest. May she rest in peace. Uh, God save the queen, king, of course. Uh, I want to thank Fonz King himself uh, for his help today. It's been a, uh, a difficult day uh, given the circumstances, but Fonz has been... Fantastic, as usual, bringing this program to air, getting us lots of guests and people providing memories and insight, not just on the on the Queen, uh, but on challenges they're having at home. Patty, I think, will be back tomorrow, and uh, we'll be able to provide all manner of commentary on all things that are happening. If you have a chance today, if you're inclined today, check out the service at the Anglican Cathedral, the Provincial Service of Morning, or watch it online, YouTube. Perhaps uh, it will uh, provide some meaning to you, as, as it has to me and others. Uh, as I sign off now, the family are coming in to Windsor Chapel, uh, getting closer to the, uh, the service happening. I'm Tim Powers. This has been VOCM's Open Line. Thank you for listening.